0: Dateline, 27th of April, 2015, and we're back.
1: Well, g'day, folks, and welcome to the Australia Desk for episode 347. Yeah, sorry about that, Max. We we actually thought the bits and pieces episode was last week, not, well, whenever it's coming up.
0: Yeah, you mean... Whoops. You mean... Yeah, you mean last week wasn't the holiday in
1: the US. Okay. Oh, sorry. Well, you know, here in Australia, every weekend's a holiday. Isn't that right, Grant?
0: Well, actually, the weekend just passed felt like the first one I've had in quite a while. So, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go with that. Every weekend's a holiday.
1: Oh, absolutely. Well, speaking of people that are not taking a holiday, let's talk about the minister for many things, including transport and infrastructure, Warren Truss. He's been out issuing a fresh statement of expectations, whatever that is, for CASA, the Civil Aviation Safety Authority, an SOE for CASA. That's
0: right, mate. Warren Truss, the Deputy Prime Minister and uh, Minister for, uh, well, you know, industry, transport, aviation, all that kind of stuff, um, has written a publicly released letter to CASA uh, that tells them the scope and direction that he wants them to take. And basically it's saying, tell me how you're going to implement the uh, Forsyth Review, which was the Aviation Safety Regulation Review uh, carried out last year, um, primarily in response to a lot of hoo-ha raised with the... um, kind of not so good reporting on the uh, Pell-Air crash. And uh, the the ASRR came up, uh, aka the Forsyth Review, came up with a, a number of suggestions and Warren Truss has asked CASA to actually get on and enact how, how they're going to actually get around to changing as
1: recommended.
0: And I note, interestingly, that CASA's um, come around and said they're going to be open and honest with everyone and their commitment to deliver on the government's response to the review.
1: Well, that's a a refreshing change. And uh, many people might say that. CASA says, uh, well, Mark Skidmore, the new boss of CASA, has uh, said a lot of things in response to this, including uh, saying here, quote, CASA recognises positive engagement with the aviation community as necessary to develop and implement the best possible safety standards, deliver effective safety education, and get the right operational outcomes. Well, I'll tell you what, Grant, I hope that doesn't mean that uh, he's actually going to further overregulate our aviation sector, uh, particularly when it comes to general aviation, because um, there's a lot of overkill in there already, in my humble opinion.
0: Mate, there's a, there's a number of uh, delicate balances to be formed in this, but one of the things that seems to be coming up is that uh, CASA are going to be asked to consider the economic and cost impact of regulation as well, in addition to implementing the Forsyth Review. So that could be a very welcome thing, a um, of aviation groups within Australia are standing up and saying they're very happy that uh, this is the results in terms of where the minister wants it to go and, and uh, that Kasser is actually uh, indicating they're, they're going to do it. But of course, where the rubber hits the road, that's where we find out how it goes. That Kasser are talking this is going to be between now and 2019. So we have a few years to see how they, they do it. And we've seen a number of requests for change start at the top and sort of fall apart by the time they get through that middle layer. So hopefully, this one holds together and uh, produces something that everyone can actually enjoy. That you know, somebody has said that they're a little disappointed about the uh, lack of harmonisation of our regulations with international regulations. But uh, CASA took that on probably the wrong direction when they said, oh, we're going to harmonise with international regulations. And instead of looking at the FAA, they looked at EASA. Good and Lord. everyone knows IASA stands for Europeans Against Sport Aviation.
1: And uh, i tell you what, Grant, in a sign of the Times too, uh Skidmore also says here that uh, they're considering uh, long-term integration of remotely piloted aircraft into aviation operation in all classes of airspace. And uh, particularly talking there, Grant, about uh, commercial, Applications of remotely piloted aircraft, so uh, a sign of the times, and obviously uh, as there's you know this sector becomes uh, more prevalent uh, all around the world, and it's it's certainly playing a bigger and bigger role here in Australia every year. Um, yeah, they they certainly do need to be included in that. So uh, yeah, that's all very interesting stuff. Now, Grant, let's talk about your favourite airline, Jetstar. They're doing something interesting at Avalon Airport down here in Melbourne. In fact, they're staying. That's probably yeah. good news.
0: I know. Contrary to uh, rumours beforehand that they were going to shut down, which personally I think are similar to rumours of. Uh Ryan Airways looking at buying Airbus It's a great way to get Boeing to react And give you a discount <laughs> And I think the rumours of them saying Stuff it, we're leaving Avalon We're a great way to get Victoria And even uh, Lindsay Fox's Lynn Fox group To uh, step forward and make a better deal for them
1: Yeah, very interesting. Now, uh, this is, um, you know, when you look at Avalon Airport, um, you're certainly uh, setting themselves up as Melbourne's uh, secondary domestic airport. But let's put that in perspective of the uh, hundreds of flights that run in and out of Melbourne's main international airport uh, every day. Jetstar currently is the only operator at Avalon. Currently, they only operate five services per day. They're uh, making a commitment here to up that to seven uh, by introducing two more services up there to Sydney and uh, looking at, uh, you know, over the next 18 months, adding two new domestic destinations. Uh, so that's interesting. The state government of Victoria has uh, pledged $12 million over the next uh, 10 years. And interestingly, Grant Linfox, who is currently the uh, the group that owns that airport, some of the news reports here today are saying that uh, they're also looking at putting money in. So that's really interesting because they would also be charging Kitsar a bomb to use that airport. They certainly know how to uh, crucify private pilots who would <laughs> dare to use their airport and put their put their rubber on the runway and, you know, bring some business into the airport. And don't get oh. me started. Uh, too late. Uh- <laughs>
0: so hang on, I knew I had my soapbox around here from the other week somewhere. Hang on, shall I find it for you? Yeah, me? no, I tell you.
1: I'm not a big fan of uh, Lynne Fox, I'll, I'll just say that uh, publicly, I've probably said it before. I don't like the way they treat general aviation. Um, yeah. I just think they, they're they part of the problem insofar as uh, they just make things more expensive. But uh, anyway, that's not really the gist of this story. That is good news. Um, I think Avalon is a logical choice. It's a, it's a huge airport, um, sort of down towards Geelong, which is uh, you know about uh, 70 or 80 kilometres to the south of Uh, Melbourne and um, it really does make sense. I can see uh, with some proper investment that airport uh, really uh, going ahead in leaps and bounds in the coming 10, let's say 20 years, I think. Uh, So it's a good thing that Jetstar is operating out of there. Now, I I have had occasion to use Avalon Airport just once for a flight up to Sydney, probably about this time last year, actually. And, you know, for a lot of people I talk to, oh, we don't want to go to Avalon. It's so much further to drive all the way out there compared to uh, Melbourne Airport. But I will say this much. Yes, it is further, but it's freeway all the way. And it's really only about another 10 or 15 minutes drive by comparison to driving to Melbourne Airport and once you get there being such a smaller airport the experience actually is is quite good actually it's it's a much less hassle than going to Melbourne airport and the parking is uh, cheaper I'll tell you that much a lot cheaper
0: <laughs> yeah look it is it is a good thing I, I note with some amusement that uh, jetstar does say that their uh, Avalon services have been unprofitable but uh, you know given that that's kind of similar for many other parts of jetstar's operation I don't see this being a big problem for them to continue.
1: There we go. Well, soapboxes are plenty today. Great, let's talk about something far more exciting. Let's talk about squadron leader Andrew Jacko Jackson, Australia's first qualified F-35 pilot.
0: Legend, Yeah, total legend. No, very happy. Uh, we, we knew this was coming. Uh, Jacko's been out there uh, doing his sim sessions and then got to actually fly the aircraft uh, not too long ago. And he's finally completed all his training missions and is now fully qualified as an F-35 pilot.
1: And a very quick transition there, it would seem, too, uh, for Jacko. Um, he, he finished that uh, training at Eglin Air Force Base out there in Florida and uh, says here in this article on australianaviation.com.au that his initial flight was to just back on March the 17th. So uh, it's not only making him the first Australian to fly the F-35, he's uh, the first Australian to be uh, fully qualified to do it. And of course, uh, he will be uh, very heavily involved in training other Australian pilots to operate this aircraft. And as we've mentioned many times in the past, uh, the F-35 is due to arrive here in Australia in 2018, uh, three years away as we record this. And uh, the first squadron, three squadron, will be operational in 2021. So lots of training to go for the F-35, but uh, yeah, a really good start here and uh, really interesting some great photos too I'll put a link in the show notes
0: I agree mate it's great that he's up there and uh, be interesting to hear what he has to say about, about that uh, rather large but apparently well balanced helmet yeah
1: <laughs> Yes, it does look very, very futuristic. Now, Grant, speaking of awesome flying, uh, we should just do a quick plug for Wings Over Illawarra coming up this weekend. If you're anywhere on this side of the planet, if you're anywhere south of the international dateline, you need to be in Wollongong, just south of Sydney, uh, this coming weekend because uh, Wings Over Illawarra is on. We're going to be doing the commentary again over two days. They're expecting something like 25,000 people to be there. And, uh, boy, am I a little nervous about that, I might tell you. But, uh, Grant, we're going to have everything from (laughs) Air Force Hornets. We're going to have the Herc there, the roulettes, the Russian roulettes. We're going to have warbirds. Oh, Paul Bennett's going to be there with his uh, wolf pits. And he's growing a benja and... Crocky. I think all of Australia's uh, top uh, aerobatic pilots are going to be there. It's going to be a really, really exciting weekend. Wingsoverillawarra.com.au. There you go, Grant. I sound like a radio announcer. I'm getting into the swing of it already. There
0: you go, mate. Well done. Uh, we, As you said, we're going to be doing the commentary. We'll be up in the commentary area uh, sharing the space with Ando, uh, Peter Anderson, uh, voice of uh, the Tomorrow Air Shows, uh, also voice over at Omaka in New Zealand, mm. and recently in Duxford.
1: I'll tell you what, Grant, uh, talk about being nervous. I'm not sure whether it's uh, the, the prospect of uh, standing in front of 25,000 people and doing commentary or whether it's uh, actually uh, working next to aviation royalty like uh, Peter Anderson. I'll tell you what, that is going to be a real privilege and um, I'm nervous about it, but I'm looking forward to it and it's going <laughs> to be a fantastic weekend.
0: Yeah, well, the other part is that we're not just doing the commentary. Our team's also going to be there shooting the air show DVD. So uh, hopefully this weekend we get lots of flying in, so we get lots of potential for uh, DVD content. Fantastic.
1: Well, that's about everything we have for you on this week's Australia Desk. A big shout out to you, Mr. Vanderhoof, as I know, as we're recording this, Grant, he's just about to go in for his surgery. And uh, I'm sure that uh, as the podcast goes to air, he'll be recovering well. And uh, I mean it, mate, uh, you get yourself well, and I'm coming back there and we're going to have more cheesesteaks. Uh, I tell yeah. you what, it'll be fantastic. Woo. That's a promise.
0: Make me jealous. <laughs> yeah. I miss my Phillies cheesesteaks. All right, no problem. Until next week, I'm Steve Visher. And I'm Grant McCarran. Cheers, folks. And by the way, it's Canoundra, not Canawindra. Well, <laughs> you guys were used to places that don't sound anything like this, Yeah. Uh, oh, well.
1: Can you say "token more" yet? I can say
0: "Arkansas". <laughs>